to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. I'm so glad. And like in one week, you'll be here with me at the beach. Right. I know. Yes. So I work extra tomorrow, 12 hours, and then I work Saturday and Sunday night. Monday is my wedding anniversary, but my husband has to go work. So I'm just going to go get a massage because, you know. Awesome. You deserve to feel good (laughs) on your anniversary. Well, and it's July 4th. And so I don't really have anything to do. And so my massage therapist was like, do you want to come in on the 4th? And I was like, if you're giving massages on the 4th, I'll be there. So yeah, I'm going to go do that. And then Wednesday, I fly to South Carolina. So I'm counting down. I'm busy and between we will be now and then. celebrating your birthday here. Yes, on the 8th. And our anniversary is the 7th. Oh, oh, I'll be there on your anniversary. That's all right. Well, I it'll be our, that's, it's our 31st that. anniversary. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. it's lovely here. It's It's not that hot. It's been like, like yesterday, I had to put on a sweatshirt sitting out there by the by the ocean. So you're going to be happy to be here with the cooler weather, but it's just perfect. I learned I also really like humidity. I know you I, – I was just in um, Park City, Utah, which is near Salt Lake City. I was there for four days. I do not like really, really dry weather. I was so thirsty. And as soon as I got off the plane back here in Myrtle Beach, I was like, back, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really looking I forward to seeing I don't like you. to glisten. <laughs> like sweating, just like, in general? Yeah, yeah we're I don't mind. glistening. Unless I'm sitting on a beach. Well, it's, Actually, it's okay. Actually, if there's a body of water involved, I don't care. A pool, it doesn't a matter. lake, a river, a creek, uh, the ocean, I don't care. But to just sit in the heat without water is exhausting. <laughs> That's true. But you have not been to the beach since August. I know. That's Too a long, long time. That's a long, a long time, time. so we're going to have I, some fun. <laughs> any, some of you maybe have seen, I don't know, if you're in the VIP Life Lessons community, I posted pictures of my bathroom that I redid a couple months ago, and I've got some beach, it's a beachy feel bathroom. I got some beach pictures in there. And I told Jen the other day, <laughs> I got home from work Monday morning, and I just was like craving the beach so bad. And I just stood there and stared at these beach scenes in my bathroom. And I told Jen, I was visiting my beach. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I just I needed some beach vibes. I had a rough weekend at work. I get it. Well, the vibes are just all better here at the beach. So I know they are. Well, now it's time for our weekly good news segment. And today we have a customer service shout out from Debbie. Debbie sounds a lot like my husband. She's not a fan of grocery shopping. She said, to put it mildly, I have never liked going grocery shopping. 
COVID gave me another reason to not want to go inside and mingle. Kroger, however, created ClickList, and my life changed forever. At first, when it started, it was a little crazy, but they have really worked out a great system that I use weekly. The workers for ClickList are mainly young adults, and they are friendly and very customer service-oriented. Sometimes people complain that they are missing items or get the wrong items, but often those items are just not available, whether you use ClickList or not. And if you get the wrong item, oh well, accidents happen. I love her attitude. Me too. I do believe they are doing the best they can, and they have adapted their work processes to serve their customers during the pandemic. I appreciate all their shoppers, and I'm very happy to let Croker do my shopping every week. You cannot tip them at the car, but you can leave a review every time you use the service. So I leave a great review on every survey. Live long and prosper click list. So is that just at Kroger or is it at other grocery stores too? Well, you know, I don't have a Kroger, but I feel like does Kroger own some other grocery stores? Are they like a conglomerate? Albertsons maybe? maybe? I don't know. I'm not I sure. Know. I just made that up. Well, I, that, I was thinking the same thing. Okay. So, then it might be true. Maybe. <laughs> Publix, you can do that, but it really just goes to Instacart. So, oh, I think with this one, you have to actually go there to get it. Yes, I don't think they bring it's it to like your house. It's like delivery pickup. Yeah, yeah, you go well, and you, you pick it up. Instacart, you can do pickup service. Did you know that? At what? With Instacart? Instacart? Yes. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I have to be careful because if I Instacart a delivery, sometimes it defaults to pickup, and. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. the whole point of me making a grocery list and ordering it for you to go shopping for me is so I don't have to leave my house. <laughs> you know, I feel like when when I had when I was working outside the home as a teacher, I would have loved this kind of a thing because, you know, I'd been teaching all day and the last thing I wanted to do was go in the store and shop. That was when I would go through the drive through every time. But if I had something like this ClickList, and we are not sponsored by ClickList, by the way, we're <laughs> <laughs> we just like it sounds awesome, but especially if you got kids, you don't want to drag your wild kids after no, school into the grocery store. Absolutely not. So a lot of stores have these types of programs now. We see them in and I actually did for the first time at Lowe's, I did something like this. They had like the order and then they'll bring it out to you. It was the first time I'd ever done it. So I've not done it one time. Really? It was at Lowe's. Yeah. Well, my husband, I ordered him Subway today. He was like flabbergasted. He came home and he goes, oh my gosh, that was so easy. You just go in the door and there's this like cubby and you just pick your sandwich up from it. You don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I, I try, when I ordered it, I said, I'm going to make you an account. He said, I'll never use it. And I said, why? You get Subway at work all the time. It would be so easy to put your order in and just swing by and pick it up. And he he doesn't like newfangled things like my husband yeah. oh, think is like an 80-year-old man. And... Um, <laughs> Then he was like, oh my gosh, that was so easy. And I'm like, see, good thing I made you an account. <laughs> there you go. So everybody, the life lesson there is try something new. Uh, these services that you see in the, you see the places for you to pull in at Target and everywhere you go, try them. For me, it would save on impulse buys. Because I'm like, yes, yes, I do need this $10 piece of exotic cheese. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> Wedge of Merlot cheddar that I always right. call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story 
or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today I want to talk again about Beauty Counter. You know, I've talked about this before, but when I wrote Cleanish, I realized how broken the entire beauty industry is and how many loopholes they hide behind and we don't even really know what's in our products. Like, for example, it might be hidden under the word fragrance. They could literally hide anything in your products under the word fragrance and you don't know what that is because of some loopholes in the labeling laws. But the more I I researched and learned, the more I knew that what I used on my body mattered. But the problem is I don't have time to read all the labels. I don't want to memorize what's safe and what's not. Just because a word is long and and confusing doesn't mean it's dangerous. Just because a word is easy to read doesn't mean it's safe. So the best thing about Beauty Counter is they've done the work for me, and I can be confident that every product I buy is safe for me and for the environment. They have something called the Never List, which grows and changes over time based on what is safe. They have an ever-evolving toolbox of clean and more sustainable ingredients that have been screened by their safety and sustainability experts to create innovative formulas that deliver results safely. That's my favorite part because it's got to work. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to use it. So I switched over all of my skincare, personal products such as shampoo, conditioner, body lotion, and makeup to Beauty Counter, and I'm really glad that I did. So if you would like to give them a try, go to beautycounter.com slash Stevens or jenstevens.com slash beauty counter. And, you know, if you're a new customer, there's always some sort of special savings for you. Like right this minute, I think it's 30% off your first order. It varies a little bit though, right? From time to time or does it? Is it always 30% off? It's usually 20% off, but occasionally they run specials for 30%. So like right, if if you're hearing it right now, it might only be 20%. But today I looked at it because I was curious. So it's hard for us to say what it will be because it changes up. But it will be something and it's usually, like Sherry said, 20% off. So check it out, beautycounter.com slash Jen Stevens. And now it's time for our Life Lesson of the Week. Today we are joined by Beth Anundi, a member of the Life Lessons community. A few months ago, I shared in the community that we wanted to interview small business owners about how they are contributing to their communities. Beth reached out to us to share about her family business and how they help her community. Most of us have seen pawn shops in our communities. Some of us have even visited them. I think most people aren't really sure how they work or why a person might use one. And I think people often look at them in a negative way. Did you know that pawnbroking has been around for at least 3,000 years? It can be traced back in history to ancient China, the early Greek and Roman times, and legend has it that Queen Isabella pawned her royal jewels to finance Christopher Columbus's journey to the New World. I did not know that, Sherry. (laughs) You know me, I like to find some little tidbit facts. I I had no idea. All I know is like pawn stars. Exactly. Right? That's all anybody knows. $200. I mean, that's, that's all I know. <laughs> so Beth is joining us today to educate all of us on pawnbrokers and how they contribute to and help their communities. So welcome, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be here. I'm really excited to learn more because again, like I just admitted, I don't know anything other than Pawn Stars, although that show was great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, as a as someone in the business, did you like the show or did you not like the show? No, I really enjoyed the show. Actually, there are a couple of shows, a number of shows on Pawn, and I really have enjoyed all of them. They're all a little bit different. 
that one was interesting because you would send in your information to a producer who would then determine whether or not they actually wanted to have the item on the show. Okay. It really wasn't people just wandering in like we thought. No, not really. So it was it was kind of fun to watch the filming of that. And it was really fun to see what everybody had because they had so many cool things. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the background and your story, what is the lesson you hope to share with our listeners today? I think this fits in really well with what we just talked about. Not everything portrayed in the media or in Hollywood is as it seems. So you should always do your own research and you should always look at the background information because there's more than what's simply portrayed in the media or in Hollywood. There's always more to everything than meets the eye. Absolutely. And I think being in pawn, that is a huge misnomer. Like people think of it, like you said earlier, they think of it negatively when in reality, it's really not. So how did you and your husband get into this? This is kind of a fun story. I also, like Jen, was a teacher at the college level, although you you taught younger students, taught at the college level for 16 years in writing, communications, English and literature and love, love, loved it. But my husband was doing mortgage at the time. And in about 2008, he said, I think I need to do something different. And we looked at lots of different things. And I kept saying, no, no, I don't like that. No. And um, when he came up with pawn shops, Pawn Stars was really a big thing at the time. I said, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Maybe I'll like that. And from then on, we started looking at pawn shops, going to pawn shops in the local area and as we traveled. And I realized there are some things that I loved about pawn shops. For example, reduce, reuse, recycle, renew. Oregon is very big about those things. But there were some things that I really didn't like about pawn shops, which are the things that the media portrays, which is dirty, dingy, dark, ugly. And all of those things, I thought, we can open this pawn shop and be bright, open, friendly to kids, friendly to women, make it welcoming. And so we started it in 2011 with those things in mind. And we've been off and rolling since and have really enjoyed being in the pawn industry and helping people every day make ends meet. I love it. So your goal was for it to not be dirty, dingy, dark, and ugly in a place where, where families could come and be welcome. Absolutely. Because 70% of the households that shop, which is pretty much everybody in America, 70% of those people that shop are women. So I want women and with children and families to feel welcome in this environment. And we want to elevate the pawn industry. Because I think this, the stereotype that I always had, and I, forgive me for having it as a stereotype, but you know that's, what, that's where we often start with, was that it's like where stolen things might be. Or like if you're a criminal, you go to the pawn. I mean, why do we think that? I think the reason that we believe that is because of what Hollywood and the media has portrayed. And I think it's really important for me to let everybody know that the last place you want to take something, if you've stolen it, is a pawn shop because we are actually highly regulated. So we follow 17 different federal laws. We work closely with the police. We follow all of the statutes and ordinances in our local communities, as well as in our states. So when somebody brings in something to either get a loan on it or to sell it. Those are two different things. Or to even trade. We have their ID. We have them on video saying that it's theirs. We have their fingerprint. And we actually ask them where they purchased it. So did they get it as a gift, et cetera? So you have to be an interesting individual if you're going to choose to do all of those things and 
show up with a stolen item in a pawn shop. We, unlike OfferUp, eBay, Amazon, Craigslist, we are regulated and we work with the police department every single night. Those items go to the police. They take a look. Has anything been stolen? And the likelihood of it being stolen is less than a fraction of 1% of the time. And that is national. That's a national number. I love that you just talked about that right off the bat, because I think that is a very common misperception. And I'm like a big crime junkie. And so my first thing is, you know, like when, you know, you watch these shows or movies or whatever, and, you know, like there's a murder and the the necklace is stolen and they immediately go to the pawn shops and they're looking for it, you know? And so that's like the first thing that pops into my head when I think of pawn shops is like, oh yeah, people are pawning stolen goods. That's, it's just highly unlikely. You're more likely to get the stolen goods somewhere like Craigslist then is what you're saying. Right, because they're not regulated and we are, and we're a very safe place to come and sell or get a loan or trade your items because of that. So let's just start with the basics. What does a pawn shop do? Like just break it down. That is a great question. Most most people don't know. As a matter of fact, less than 20% of the American population has even been in a pawn shop. So you guys are in the norm if you haven't been in a pawn shop. That's, you know, 80% of the American population. So the reason that people come into a pawn shop in general is to get a loan. That's what a pawn is. And so they bring in an item of value and we take a look at the item and we assess only the item of value. We're not looking at the person, their credit, their job history, nothing other than the item itself. We assess the item. We give you a percentage of that amount of that item in cash. We keep the item for a certain length of time. And then the person who got the loan comes back and picks it up with interest, picks it up and they walk out with it. I think what's important to know is that every state has different laws. So we do have to hold items sometimes for 15 days, sometimes for 30 days. So the police can do their due diligence and check on it if it's something we've purchased. Obviously, if it's a loan, it's a longer length of time that we would have the item because we keep that item for as long as the person needs to have that cash. So an example would be if they bring in just a simple gold ring, we do what's called a collateral loan. So it's based on the collateral itself. It's not based on the person. So if they bring in a simple gold ring, we would give them, let's say $50 and they would come back in in whenever they need to, but in Oregon, it's a 60 day loan and pick that up anytime, or they can continuously renew it if they want to store it with us. So they can just say they have to come in within the, before the end of that period and say, I would like to renew this loan. Yes. We actually offer lots of ways to do that because the important part is that it's simple for them. So they can come in, they can do it online with um, an app that we have, or they can certainly send somebody else in with their ticket to do it for them. And they can do it by mail as well. Now, there's something you've said twice, so I want to hone in on that. You know, you're not basing this decision on the person. And I think that's where the difference comes in between a a traditional loan. You know, if you want, I mean, even if you want to get like car insurance, they do a credit check. If you want to rent an apartment, they do a credit check. And if you're not, you know, good enough, I'm putting that in air quotes here, right? Because I'm not the one deciding that, but that with their credit score is not good enough, then you're not going to get the apartment. You're not going to get the insurance. You're not going to get the loan. Your electricity turned on. Right? It's yeah. true. That really is, is 
if you've got a bad if you've got bad credit, you're just really just behind the eight ball, I guess, as the saying goes. But you are not judging them at all. You're not pulling their credit. So this is a way for someone to have access to money without any kind of hoops to jump through. Absolutely. The only thing they have to have is a valid ID. And so there's no cycle of debt connected to this whatsoever. It is simply your item of value. So we have people that get a $50 loan and we have people that $25,000 to make their payroll for the month. So it just depends on what item or items you're bringing in. That's how we do our loaning is based on the item of value. It's a simple collateral loan. Right. So these people could not probably get a loan a traditional way. Right. A bank is not going to give you $50 or even $25,000 sometimes. Um, you know, we have people that need to meet payroll and this is the best, easiest, fastest way for them to meet payroll. And or maybe they just need a larger loan for something like a, it doesn't even matter what, we don't ask. So if they need a larger loan at the $25,000 mark, we do that as well. So that's absolutely correct. Yes. And so when it really comes down to they either then pay off the loan or they, I'm just assuming, can walk away from their item and say, I can't pay you back and you just keep their item at that point. Is that how that works? Yes, that's as, in simple terms, that is exactly how it works. And what's cool about it is that there's nothing that dings them on any of their credit. They don't have anything to worry about. We don't go after them. We don't do anything like that. So basically at the end, they have some options. They can renew the loan. They can pick it up or they can let it go, which people 80% of the time come and pick up their loan. If it's a firearm or if it's jewelry or if it's a handbag, a luxury handbag, they come in and pick it up 95% of the time. Wow. Wow. And people do store things with us as well. I mean, I guess that was my other kind of thought too, was like people put something up for collateral and then they're just like, you know, I wasn't using that anyway. And they walk away from it and just forget it. But you're saying in most cases, if it's a item of value, people are coming back for it. They really just use that money they need immediately and then they come pay you off. Correct. And we have people that do that every month. That's what they're doing is they're coming in and they're, or every two months they're coming in and getting a loan on the same item. And we do have people actually that store things with us. So they may be going on a vacation and they bring their jewelry in and store it with us because we're highly secured. And then they don't have to worry about it being in their apartment or they don't have to worry about maybe they have a renter that lives with them or something. And it makes it a really easy and expensive way to store items. Oh, I never thought of that. Is it still Is it still like they still get a loan on it or is it like a different transaction? Nope, they still get a loan on it. What people have done in the past is they'll get the loan, but they actually put the $100 or the $700 or the $3,000. Sometimes they'll even stick it back in the loan itself. And then when they pick up the loan. It's already paid for. Exactly. Yeah. Now they do have to pay interest. So I do want to make sure that that's, that you're aware of that. But Right. So that's how you're making your money. The risk of giving them the money is you're making, making money on the interest of the loan. Right. And we do sell things because we buy things over the counter. So we do sell a lot of things that we just purchase directly over the counter. Now, tell us what would make this different than like a payday loan? We have no interest in their credit history. We don't have any interest in how much money they make. And we don't have any interest in whether or not they're actually receiving a paycheck because it is based on the item itself 
again, that collateral portion comes up. It's not based on your paycheck. So that's what's so different is there's no cycle of debt connected to it because it's simply based on the item that you bring in. You said that phrase before. You said there's no cycle of debt. So I, I th- explain explain what you mean by that. And I think I understand it based on what you just said about payday loans or I guess also title loans on cars. Would that be a similar kind of a thing as a payday loan? Yes. So I don't want to throw anybody else under the bus, but they do work differently. And when you get a title loan or a payday loan, it does add up very, very quickly. And there's nothing of value that the title loan or payday loan lender has that they can keep to sell. So they go after the person who did the title loan or the payday loan. We don't do that. We already agreed upon the transaction when the guest came in. Oh, I just went to Disney. Sorry. When our client comes in. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm a, I'm a Disney fanatic. I was like, so sometimes I love I, the name guests. You should call them guests. I, yeah, I, I didn't even think anything about guests. Me neither. <laughs> well, okay. So when the guest comes in, um, we, we make that agreement up front. So they already know that their options are when the loan comes due, their options are they can renew it forever. They can pick it up or they can certainly let it go. Okay. So when you go with a different type of loan, like a short-term loan, like through a payday loan or something like that, you're putting your credit on the line, basically. If you can't meet the demands of the agreement, then you could potentially harm your credit down the road. With you, there's no risk of that. There's no risk. And I think it's really important for me to help clarify this because we are not the same. We are very different and we get lumped into the same category continuously, but we're very different. Well, because in my mind, I had that same feeling. I was like, payday loan, title loan, pawn shop, yada, yada, same thing. So it's great to hear that it's not the same thing. It's not. And I'm so excited that I get to teach that to people literally every day, every day. We have legislators that we've invited in to talk to them about it because it's not well understood. It is the oldest form of banking in the world. I know it that's where, I don't know if you guys have seen the icon of the three balls, the three golden balls. That is actually because people couldn't read. And so they used that image to denote, hey, we will take your X and give you cash for it and you can come back and get it. It was the oldest form of banking there is. Well, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's, I mean, people put their houses up as collateral all the time. I mean, when you get a mortgage, your house is collateral. Yes, absolutely. Essentially, right? So you're just putting something up as collateral rather than your house that you live in. <laughs> so if you default, there's zero consequence to you. It's actually, I guess, win-win because you got the money and you have the item to sell. It's really convenient, actually, to think about it that way. Yes. And I just love what I do because every day I'm working with people who, first of all, they always have a fabulous story. And secondly, every time I'm at the counter, every time my team or one of my kids or my husband is at the counter, they're helping somebody to do something that's generally a need. Can you share with us some of the like stories, you know, of people that you've helped and like how you like when, when you approached me about being on the show, you said, you know, you help your community. So like, in what ways is this helping your community? So lots of different ways. First of all, we are definitely the ultimate reuse, renew, reduce and recycle for sure. And 
that is one major way we're not, you know, throwing the things away that people are generally might throw away. So they're bringing them here. They're getting some cash for them because they've sold them to us or they're getting a loan on something. And so it continues to stay in the community, which is great. So if you get a loan on something, it continues to stay in the community, which is always better than sending it off uh, somewhere else outside of the community. So I love that aspect of it. I think some of the other aspects that make us helpful in our community is that we are local to the community. Virtually every pawn shop works with about two miles. The radius that they work with is about two miles. So it is a very local concept. That's another way that we help the community. And then, of course, we're always reaching out to work with nonprofits. We recently had a donation station for handbags because we do a huge business in luxury handbags. And we had people just bring in handbags that they weren't going to use anymore. And we donated those to a local women's shelter. So little things like that add up consistently. I love that. So you're, I love that you're working with your community to make a difference. It's really important to us. What's the most common thing like that people pawn? I'm assuming there's like something that's like most like people are like, oh yeah, this is what I'm gonna go pawn. Is it TVs? Is it electronics? So that's a really good question because every pawn shop's a little bit different. We have five in our Willamette Valley here in Oregon. So we run from Albany all the way up to downtown Portland and each one is slightly different, but we are heavy in luxury handbags firearms and jewelry. Those are the things that people most commonly bring in because you get the most money for those in our shop. I bet TVs are not worth very much nowadays, are they? Not on the secondhand market. So it's a very awesome place to come and purchase a TV or any electronic. Everything we have is from the pawn shop. All my electronics are from, I mean, it's just the best place to buy secondhand stuff. I was actually shocked. We have a pawn shop in our community that I went in one day. I don't remember what I was doing. I was just like downtown killing time for something. And I wandered into one and I was just blown away, like lawn equipment, lawn mowers and weed eaters and blowers and air compressors. I mean, like stuff that looked relatively new and clean and it was like such a good deal. And to me, I hate garage sales. <laughs> I am not going garage sailing. I don't want to go traipse around to 40 different houses to find something I need. But to walk into a store and it's just right there. And like, I was kind of like, huh, I never would have thought if I needed a new weed eater to go visit the local pawn shop. It's fascinating. All the types of things that we take and every like musical equipment is huge for us as well. That's probably like our fourth category. But yes, you're absolutely right. There's so much stuff in a pawn shop. It's like a jack of all trades store. There's everything from your lawn equipment to, yeah, Louis Vuitton handbag to electronics, iPads, Pokemon now cards. Like, I want to go to a pawn shop now. There's one. Yeah, you know, we've just moved to the beach, and that right when you're coming down Dick Pond Highway, Sherry, if you know the yeah. name of that one, we're coming down. <laughs> It's not Duck Pond, sorry, no. But there's like a big pawn shop, like like a big several stores. When you're here visiting next week, we should go browse. Sherry's coming to visit me next week. Beth. You guys have to look at the jewelry. That's the best part. The jewelry is the best part because there's such a great markup on jewelry in the jewelry stores. And when you go to a pawn shop, you are paying a fraction, a fraction of the amount. And they have great fun stuff. 
Yeah, I've looked at estate jewelry at a regular jewelry store that has like an estate section, but I, I bet it's even better at a pawn shop. Like the ring I'm wearing right now that y'all, if you can see it, I got this at an, a, the estate section of a um, of a jewelry store. Yeah. So I was one to ask about jewelry because I actually, when I got divorced, I took my old wedding ring to a pawn shop and it was a higher value than what they dealt with, but they connected me with somebody in New York who they like brokered the transaction and they sold it to them and then they paid me. I don't know what all the back behind the scenes happened was, but basically they took my ring off my hands and I got the cash for it. So that was really like my only experience in like dealing with a pawn shop. But I can tell you, I did not get but a fraction (laughs) of what we paid for it. So I imagine when it gets resold, yeah, it's clearly going to get marked up from there, but it would still have been a great deal for somebody um, if they'd got their hands on that ring. There's so much to know about jewelry. I was going to say, how does a person know if they're buying from the pawn shop that they're buying real jewels? Like, are you guys qualified to assess them? Yes, we are. And I will say that I am speaking from my own experience here in our pawn shop and from the experience of National Pawn Broker Association members. So I'm not speaking on behalf of really anybody else. I want to make sure that that's very clear because there are some pawn shops that don't do diamonds and don't understand how to evaluate things like diamonds or handbags. So I just want to make that clear. But we, yes, that's something that we do every day, all day long is we assess diamonds and gold and gold coins, silver coins, silver. We actually are able to take a look at a handbag and tell you whether or not it's authentic. We do that with diamonds as well, because as you probably know, there are lab grown diamonds and you don't want to sell those as real. So we do high end watches like Rolex, et cetera. So those are all things that our team has been trained to understand and look for the real the real deal. We're looking at authenticity. So, What would a customer want to look for if they wanted to go to a pawn shop and they wanted to look for jewelry? Is there something that would denote that those pawnbrokers are like trained or able to assess jewelry? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. The, like, that is a really good certification question. or... Some pawn shops do. Um, some pawn shops don't. What I would definitely recommend is going to the National Pawn Brokers Association website and checking to make sure that they're a member there. Or, for example, if you're in Oregon, checking the Oregon Pawn Broker Association.org, I think is what it is here, making sure they're a member there because that denotes that they're actually actively trying to elevate the pawn industry. And so they are actively training their teams. They're actively looking at things in a way that makes pawn step up and not be this this Hollywood interpretation. So I would start there. And then when you walk in, do you feel welcome? Is it clean? Is it bright? Is it light? Do the people react to you or are they just ignoring you? So those things alone will tell you whether or not they're actually going to know their stuff. And then beyond that, they will have behind their counter somewhere, they'll, they'll have something that looks like little machines that you can put gold in or ways to test gold behind their counter. Right. So they just need to be really transparent and go through the process with you. Like if I said, show me, show me that this diamond is real and the weight of the gold or whatever, they should be able to do that for me in front of me. Right. Absolutely. So in Oregon, we do have scales that have to be tested by the state. So 
if you're getting your gold weighed, you should be able to see that weight on the scale. That's one great cue. If they're taking it somewhere else behind the, a curtain, that's never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, some people do, and it's it's just fine. But I just want you to be aware that they need to be transparent. Right. Right. So, and there are some great pawn shops in the Atlanta area. I know for sure some owners who are fabulous. So in Atlanta, in uh, Atlanta and Conyers. Okay. Well, I'm nowhere near that now. We just moved to South Carolina. Oh, there's some good ones in South and North Carolina too. Okay. I'm near Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Myrtle Beach. Is that where, I think that's where Dick's is. Yes. That's the one I was just talking about. On yeah, they're Dick amazing. Road. I wonder if that, if his last name is Pond, maybe that's what Dick Pond Road is named after. Not. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's his last name. No. Okay. But. Well, that's the name of the road that it's on. That's so funny. <laughs> they, they're, they're fabulous. Okay. Well, now I'm really excited. So how do you estimate the value of an item? Excellent question. So we estimate the value of the item based on the item itself. So if you're taking a look at the item and we have this thing called Google now, (laughs) so you can do it too as a customer. We take a look at what it's sold for already on several different websites, but we also have access to a lot of different professionals who will help us determine the value of something. If it's, for example, a really large diamond, or if it's a Rolex we haven't seen in the shop before, or if it's something like a -a one-of-a-kind item that we haven't seen before, like a piece of artwork, we'll always reach out to those that are professionals in that particular industry or in the pawn industry that's familiar with those types of things. And then once we've assessed the, the value that we could resell it for, if the person defaulted, which is highly unlikely. Remember, it's only going to be like five to 20% of the time. Then we make them essentially an offer. We say, this is what we're willing to offer. Well, that, you know, if that helps you out, we'd like to do that today. Okay. And then what kind of interest? Is it set? Is it straight across the board? Is it different per item? Does it vary? Like, how do you determine that? It is different for every state. So some states have no cap, nothing regulating them. And some like Oregon, California, Washington, but definitely Oregon and California, we have very set specific rates that we follow. And it's, yeah, it's so different in every state. So it's 3% in Oregon. Okay. But you're not just making it up as you go. You're following what the state has told you that your interest rate is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. See, that's very helpful as well. That makes it feel less predatory. Not that I'm thinking it's predatory, but it it feels like this feels 0% predatory to me. It's all has to do with the relationship that you have with that person across the counter and the item. It's really all about the item and then just creating a connection and making sure that we're all on the same page. When you leave, you have your cash, you feel good about the transaction and we feel good about what we did. Did you just have a fun pawn story to share? I do. I have several, but I'm going to share about one of just my favorite customers in the world. He has been with us since the beginning. And this is not something that we do for everybody, but he is such a lovely person. In 2021, we went through so many crazy things here in Oregon. We had just had the pandemic. It was still kind of going on. And then we had this crazy ice storm and we had these insane wildfires that nobody on this side of the Cascade had experienced in the past. And this gentleman is a little bit older and he had some items here that he could not come and pick up. And we knew that he had been in lots of times. And so my husband took all of his items to him, 
and he just started crying. He was just such a lovely man. And he was just so important to us that we just needed to let go of all those crazy things that had happened and just get his stuff back to him. And that way he had a way to participate in life in the future because those items are what he used to get cash to make it to the end of the month. So that's, that's one story I love. And there's so many more about, about him, but there's so many things. I had this gal walk in with a handbag and we, we were with, with a lot of Louis Vuitton and she was kind of digging in her purse and was a little bit frustrated because she couldn't quite get the amount that she needed because it's dependent on the item. And I looked at her and said, your handbag is worth a lot of money. Do you want to go ahead and leave that with us instead? And the relief on her face was worth it. And she left that with us and she's used that for almost every loan since. So she had no idea that her purse was valuable. She was trying to pawn something else. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and actually it just, it was such a sense of relief. You know, that look that you get when you're trying to teach something and all of a sudden it dawns on the child or the student, that was the look. And it was such, it was such a relief for me too, because she was struggling. Right. I know that feels good to know. You mentioned before we start recording that you are involved in or wrote a book. Tell us about that. I did recently, just recently. It's being launched on July 10th. And I co-wrote a book about all about how to do luxury in your pawn shop, which is a new thing for pawn. So it's all about handbags and how do you actually create this space in your pawn shop, which isn't a normal space in a pawn shop. Luxury isn't necessarily normal. And it's basically a step-by-step for how to evaluate a bag, how to determine whether or not it's authentic, and how to actually create that space. Oh, I love that. And by the time this episode comes out, your book will be out. What's the name of it? That would be great if I could remember the name of it, but we just decided a couple of days ago, and (laughs) I'm trying to remember the name of it. So that's terrible. But it's Deanna Thompson, Beth and Andy, and it'll be under the category of pawn probably because it's very unique to pawn so and it's a how-to okay I, I could i will look that up and we'll leave a link in show notes for the this episode so by the time this comes out that book will be available and and sherry will find it because she's a crime junkie and she can find it with her detective <laughs> skills and she'll put awesome. it in the show notes whatever it's called <laughs> that's so embarrassing i it's basically a how-to for for pawn luxury but I will say that people can reach out to me as well, and I'm happy to answer any questions that people Look, have. Titles are hard. People, I'm always like, <laughs> what's the whole title of Cleanish? I can't remember. It took me a while <laughs> to be able to say it. <laughs> I'm curious, though. So you said most people come and pick their stuff up, but you're selling luxury handbags as well? Yes. So we, we are the largest reseller of luxury handbags in Oregon and possibly long further out than that. But from what I know, Oregon for sure. And, oh, it's called Pawn Broker, Pawn Broker Training Manual, Luxury Handbag Edition. If it keeps the title, if it keeps the title, it's Pawn Broker Training Manual, Luxury Handbag Edition. (laughs) So yes, this is something that all five of our pawn shops do. And it's absolutely been super fun. And we do a lot of trading, loaning and selling, buying of luxury bags. 
So the the bags that you're selling, these are bags that somebody had, they just don't want it anymore. They come and sell it to you and you resell it or they trade it for something else you have or how, how are you acquiring the bags? Either of those ways. So we also work with a wholesaler. So somebody can come in and just straight sell it to us or they can trade it for another bag that they want. We have people that come in and get their first Louis by trading a number of Coach and and Michael Kors bags and et cetera. So it's a really fun process to work. I bet you just have a lot of fun. Like, Ooh, I want that bag today. Do you ever do a little problem with that? I do. That and the jewelry. (laughs) Oh yeah. See, handbags do nothing for me whatsoever, but jewelry, mm, I'm a jewelry girl. (laughs) My grandpa was a jeweler, so I got the jewelry bug very early. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yep. He would, he ended up being a big buyer for jewelry. And so when I was a kid, he would He'd pack up little boxes of jewelry that he'd get, I think, as samples, and he would send them to me. So by the time I was very young, I had, you know, diamond earrings and necklaces, and I love it. I caught the bug. <laughs> oh, well, you should really love pawn shops then because they are great at pricing stuff at a very good discount from retail, a significant discount from retail. Yeah, because jewelry so. is one of the highest marked up items out there, right, in, in a regular retail store. In furniture. Yes, Furniture, yeah, furniture too. That's true. Although we don't sell furniture, there are some pawn shops <laughs> that do. I bet every every pawn shop's different, right? Yeah, I walked into, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Hardcore Pawn, P-A-W-N. So I walked into their pawn shop because we're friends with the owners and there was like a whole furniture set in there. And that's we don't have room for that in our pawn shops, but it was fun to see it somewhere else that they do that. Do you come across antiques very often or are people consigning those instead? We don't do a lot of antiques in our shops, but we do come across them, especially I would say more estate jewelry than antiques. And generally they're going somewhere else that's an actual antique store here in Oregon where we are. All right. Well, this has been so interesting and I mean, when you first reached out to us, um, you know, that little light bulb went on. I was like, you know, I really don't know that much about pawn shops and I bet other people don't either. And I feel like I've learned so much today. And now, yes, Jen, we're going to have to go to Dick's Pawn Shop. Like I'm super excited, <laughs> especially <laughs> since Beth has heard of it. Oh, yes. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you guys have a better understanding and that you got rid of these misnomers about it. And can I send people to my Instagram account? Oh, yeah. So it's called at My Capital Couture. So it's M-Y-C-A-P-I-T-A-L-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. And that is actually where we do most of our handbags. And it is um, a pretty fun way to sort of dip your toe in the pawn industry because it's fun to look at handbags and jewelry. And that's what we do mostly on that Instagram account. Just so everyone's aware, there are capital ponds everywhere all across the United States, but we are only in Oregon and we are spelled C-A-P-I-T-A-L, like the money and like the capital city. So it's a well-used name, but we'd love to see you in our stores anytime you come to Oregon. And if you're looking for good handbags, that's where you want to be in Oregon. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Beth. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, I'd like to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. Not only can you interact with Jen and me in a private online community, you can also connect with other listeners and community members. 
Each month, I host a Zoom hangout where we connect and talk for about an hour. And it is a lot of fun. We did one last week. Well, not last week because I was out of town. It was, yep. And we had so much fun. Just getting to know people from across the country, across the globe, really. Um, yeah, we had, we had from someone from Australia. Australia. Mm-hmm. And we had somebody from the UK who's originally from Ireland. We talked to a lady who lives in Washington. And it was just, it's fun getting to know people's, you know, the area where they live and what they do for a living. And we all have life lessons to share. And Every time we have these chats, I learn something new. So it's just a lot of fun. We'd love to have you hang out with us there. You can join us in the new VIP community by going to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP. And there you'll choose your monthly membership contribution of either $4.99 or $9.99. And you can manage that within the platform each month. Choose the option that feels like the right value to you. And if you truly get value from the podcast each week and, you know, you are enjoying interacting with us, we'd hope you'd be willing to choose the higher package in order to help support the work we do and to help bring you future episodes of this podcast. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the VIP get-togethers. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it really, really is. All right. So now we have our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Shannon. Shannon says, I use stainless steel pots and pans, and sometimes they get stained from oil drips on the outside or maybe just the gas flame, but it's virtually impossible to get rid of with just soap, water, and elbow grease. She said, I've successfully removed those stains with a magic eraser. After I've washed my pan, I get the magic eraser a little wet, then scrub, and the stains just magically disappear. My pan is shiny silver again. So on that note, I don't know what the real hack is, but I have copper bottomed pans. They're old, but they get really discolored. I learned by accident once that ketchup makes them shiny and coppery again. That's hilarious. Ketchup. (laughs) Something about the acid. Yeah. Something about the acid in it. Yeah. I just coat them in ketchup and and let it soak and then rinse them off and they're like shiny coppery new again. Isn't that crazy? With my stainless steel pans, I use Bon Ami. Are you familiar with Bon Ami? Yeah, is it sort of like It's like a scouring powder. I'll show you a picture uh of it. I had to look it up just to make sure I was recommending the right one because I often say the wrong thing. (laughs) There's one that you don't want to use. Bon Ami is the one that's good. I look on the Environmental Working Group app that I use, the Healthy Living app, and Bon Ami is just, it's like, it's like an A and because it's like really, really safe. So if you're worried about anything, it's really good scouring powder. It's great for cleaning your sink. Anyway, that's that's my my cleaner of choice. I use it on my stainless steel pans if something gets like caked on there. Do you use it on your enameled cast iron or do you still have enameled cast iron? I actually only still have enameled cast iron at the beach house because that was one thing I didn't bring with me. I really downsized my kitchen big time. I'm trying to think, did I bring any of my enameled cast iron? I don't believe that I did. You know, I'm not on a gas stove anymore. Oh, that makes a difference. It it does make a difference. And I didn't want to have anything too heavy because I'm on a smooth top. And I'm always worried that I'm going to like smash it with some big, giant, heavy pan. So I'm just using my stainless steel pans. And I have some from Caraway Home. And it's just working really well for me. There's lighter pans anyway. 
Well, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Chantel. The quote is, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And that quote comes from Howard Thurman. And I love it. That is a great, great quote. I've never heard that. And I love what she had to say about it. She said, have you ever walked down a busy city street at lunchtime and seen all the other people out walking the streets with you? Maybe they are walking to lunch or just getting some sunshine. Maybe they are leaving the office early for the day. The next time you're out walking, really look at the people around you. I see them. I didn't used to, but I now do. I really see them. For the most part, wherever I look, I see a lack of joy. People are tense and they are in their own heads. They aren't paying attention to the other people on the street. They are looking at their phones, talking on their Bluetooth headsets, walking without seeing, not noticing their surroundings on a mission. Stress is coming off of many of them in waves. They are frowning, rushed, and for the most part, look unhappy. I noticed this one day while eating my lunch outside at a sidewalk cafe. And I wondered if that was how I looked when I was walking to the cafe earlier. And I realized it was probably exactly how I looked because my job was stressful. I hated it. My manager was miserable. My work didn't bring me joy. And I spent my lunch hour dreading going back. It was that day that I decided to find my passion. I left the company that I'd spent 10 years with and found a new job doing something completely different than I'd ever done before. Human resources to real estate agent. And I love it. Being in HR really taught me to read body language, and I'm able to use that skill when I'm showing houses. I love my work now, and it shows. When I go to lunch, I'm smiling. I talk to others. I notice the sun and the flowers. If you aren't smiling, if you don't notice the sun and the flowers, are you really alive? Go find your passion. Don't wait. Life is too short. I love that. Yeah. That really, really is. You know, that I loved teaching, and it lit me up for so many years, but then all of a sudden, Right before my last year, I, I don't know who's heard me tell the story before, but I realized I only had like a week left of summer break, and then it was time to go back to work, and then I started crying. And I'd never felt like that. I was usually excited about going back to work, and that was the day I knew that I was I was done with that. I still taught one more year because I needed to, you know, for retirement and all of that. And plus, I was under contract for the year, and, you know, I don't walk away from something once I'm, you know, committed to it. But I just knew. I was like, this is no longer what I should be doing. Well, and you went and followed your passion. Yeah. And it lights me up. What I do lights me up. I love this podcast. I love intermittent fasting stories. I love the community. I've been good at saying no to things that don't bring me joy, right? So anyway, that was great. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to join us in the Life Lessons VIP community by going to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. And your support ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we'd love for you to leave a review. It helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment? Or do you have a listener-led lesson or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.